It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast, the college basketball edition presented by Joseph Infinity of Cincinnati. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com digital sports columnist and editor with Chad Brendel of Bearcat Journal, Rick Brewing of Musketeer Report. It's the WTF edition of the podcast. We're back. What's that mean? Uh, I can't give all the word. I can just give the what the edition Heck. because we're back what, with what college that? basketball, our weekly college basketball podcast. Um, and it comes at just, a, I think, a great time where um, Xavier coming off a brutal loss. Where there's just flames <laughs> along the side of the road. There's a 30-car pile up. You see coming off maybe a more brutal loss. Kentucky, after a couple of good wins and non-conference, opens the SEC with a loss. And after I asked Rick on Wednesday on another podcast if, I, if he thought that NKU could run the table. I hate you for that. I know that, and I feel so bad now. I, I hate I, myself more for saying For even could. answering it. Yes, yeah, I know dumb. that. So, you should have just said no. Absolutely He not. was tired. I was tired. I, I asked the question. I sins this week. <laughs> that was one of them. Yeah, yeah without, without a doubt. Um, I bet on Mick Cronin yesterday. <laughs> There you go. Those are two. Those are two in one week for you. Yeah, you'll learn. I mean, your, like, learn your lesson, I, man. And I know the, both of those lessons very, very well. You don't do either of those things, and I did them. Yeah, fifteen points even was a lot. I I didn't think they were going you're to betting lose. Cincinnati, and you're betting anything but the under. What is wrong with no? You? I got the live line when they were losing by like eight or something. I was like a minus one line. I was like, oh, they're going to oh, come back and win this yeah, game that, eventually. Okay, I'll give you that one. Yeah. yeah so okay. I thought I was. Right. I thought I was super smart at the time. Yeah. Little did I know that Mick Cronin's teams have trouble scoring. Yes. Yes. They they occasionally do. Speaking of trouble scoring, let's start with with the, the Xavier Musketeers who uh, lost to Marquette today in in fine fashion. Just they looked disengaged. They looked bad. They didn't shoot it well. That's part of reason of of that. Um, I w- what do you hang your hat on as a Xavier fan and, and maybe as, as if you're Travis Steele and these players moving forward? How can you wipe this out of the memory bank and what can you, what can you do moving forward? I think that's the biggest part. Well, what can you do moving forward is try to get your best players to look like. They're your best players. Right. Uh, fans keep wanting to live in this fantasy world where Xavier has better players than Najee Marshall, Quentin Gooden. They don't. They don't. Um, you need those guys to play well at the same time. They haven't all year. Quentin really struggled for a while. Then he found himself for three or four games, played really pretty well, I thought. And then today was as bad as he's ever played. And we actually saw Quint- or, uh, Travis Steele bench him. Yeah, for, he only played 19 minutes. Yeah, he only played 11 in the first half and uh, then eight in the second half. So... Trav's trying everything at this point. I mean, he's he's doing whatever he can, including benching his point guard. I, I other than that, I'm not sure what you look for other than just try to get those guys on track somehow. And that that's the thing you see with with coaches. I mean, the bench is always a great equal equalizer. The problem is when you're not very deep and you really have no other options. It's it's hard to use the bench for that purpose. And I think there it's worth noting the difference between earlier in the season. Yeah, Quentin and Najee were making mistakes, taking a bad shot trying to force something that wasn't there and it becoming a turnover. But I think for the most part, their effort was there. I mean, we talked about the UC game and Missouri game where it felt like they quit, but recently it felt like those guys were playing hard even if they're making mistakes. I think there's a difference between letting your guys play through mistakes where they're being aggressive and playing hard and what happened with Quentin where he went complete blue screen for two minutes, couldn't catch the ball, threw it between Najee's legs out of bounds and really just didn't have the effort required and didn't look ready to play. That's a little bit different to me, and I think that's why you saw him finally go to the bench and say, I don't care how bad we lose this right. game, you're coming out until you can get it together. It, it, it is disappointing because this was supposed to be his team, right? I mean, this was this was his team. Yeah, and I think you're seeing him deal with not only be going from the guy who just has to set up Trayvon Blewett and J.P. McCure to being a guy that has to score, but he's trying to do that without guys around him that can kind of take the pressure off, spread the defense from the perimeter, do other things that would make that easier on him. 
it's 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 a tough transition already. It's a lot tougher when you don't have any other options around you to help out. Yeah, uh, you said it for the podcast, Chad. I mean, and this was a day when when Marquette looked very beatable. I mean, there were stretches where they looked awful. They looked equally awful. Yeah, I I was expecting to see a pretty crisp Marquette team, and I did not see that. I, there there was a lot of turnover, like careless turnovers, same as Xavier had. We're just throwing the ball away, fumbling it right to Xavier, throwing it out of bounds. Um, they didn't look crisp. They didn't look like a top 15 team. I, I know in a lot of ways they are, um, but they just didn't They didn't overwhelm me today by any stretch. And that's unfortunate for Xavier because that's a day you think – You can catch them. You can catch them on the road. And, and then if they win that game, then the entire outlook changes. But they come out and they're terrible right from the start. And was eighteen to eight or eighteen to seven or Six, something? Whatever. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was quickly double digits. Xavier caught Marquette on a good day. Yeah. The problem is Marquette caught Xavier on a better day. Yeah. Right. No, no doubt. I mean, it's, that's well. That's well said. Um, can they can they do anything different offensively? Can you play through Zach? Can they make Hankins adjustments? <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I just I mean, don't I, know that they have to. Is the problem? Like, okay. People keep saying that, but like, and that's what I'm asking. They're getting. Wide open looks. They're getting shots you want. Their offense isn't bad. If you go through and you just like watch their offense, which is what I do on Synergy usually, sure, because right. it's really easy, especially in the Saint Seton Hall game where you close the game, Seton Hall goes on a 34-14 run. It's like, well, you played terribly. Everything was awful. Throw it all out the window. Everything needs to be changed. But then you go back and you strip the emotion of it of like, oh man, the other team's on a run. They're playing terribly. And you're just like, what type of looks are they getting on each possession? How does the possession play out? It's like... I don't know what you changed. Like they were still getting pick and rolls that they were hitting the first half. They were still getting guys to the rim going one on one, and then the guy behind them recovers and blocks their shot. Like that stinks. The other guy made a play on him. Maybe Xavier isn't as good as some of the other teams in their conference this year. I think that's what we're finding out. Yeah, and, and that's a hard pill to swallow. Sometimes I mean that, that's that's the hard thing to to to, to do. And, and you're right. It always looks better. Things always look better when you're making shots. I mean that's the thing. And it, it looks like. Your offense is confused and confuzzled and a mess when you're not, when really sometimes all it is is just make a shot. And then, and don't get me wrong, like you have to play better. I'm not saying Xavier's playing well by no, any imagination. You got to fix it. The problem is sometimes, like when you're a good team, you tend to go on those big runs more often. When you're not a very good team, the other team tends to go on those big runs more often. And that's, there's a reason for that. It's because of your talent level and how skilled you are and how well your team fits together and all those things. So, in a lot of ways, yes, Xavier has to get better at certain things. But I don't know that like there's these great X and O adjustments that can be made to fix a lot of these issues. They have a lot of shortcomings. I, I'm a big fan of the make shots offense. It, 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 it makes you look well. better. It makes you look a whole lot better. I think. I think it makes more, you look a whole lot smarter. I think more teams should use it. Yeah. No, it ECU used it. They did use it. We're going to get to them in a minute because they used it enough to, to pull off a win that I'm still scratching my, my head about. All right. I think four of the next five for Xavier at home, if I'm not mistaken, with yes. Nova on the road in the in the middle of that. Um, Georgetown and Butler are, again, those are kind of 50-50 games at, at home. I mean, maybe a couple wins just snaps you out of the funk, right? I mean, maybe that's all it takes is to get something going positive. I thought I thought I, the poll did that. I thought the poll was, okay, nice win on the road to start things off. And you played really well for a long stretch of Seton Hall and unfortunately didn't finish the game. And you look up a game and a half later and it's like, is this thing unraveling? That's the thing. I don't. I don't feel like it's a funk. I just feel like this isn't a very. This good is what team. it is. Like, okay. I think we saw it to Paul. Okay. They. That's one of their better games. They. They played close to their potential against a team that's not as good. So that helps against Seton Hall. They played pretty darn well, honestly, for for this, a long for stretch. This team, right? And even in those final ten minutes, it's like there was a two minute stretch of that twelve minutes or ten minutes that was really bad. But other than that, it was like eh, Seton Hall beat them. That's unfortunate, but it's what it is this year. The Marquette game was awful. 
And so you hope you get closer to the Seton Hall and maybe even the DePaul games more often than not the rest of the way. But you're definitely going to have some of the Marquette games thrown in there. And I don't know that it's like they're necessarily in a funk. I just think it's a team that's capable of going one for 15 from three and struggling to find any offense for long stretches and things like that. So it's it's going to be a rough year for Xavier fans. I think if you're only the only reason you watch sports is for your team's result, like you just want to see a win and you don't be, don't actually enjoy hard. watching the sport, it's probably going to be a long year for you. If you enjoy like how is my team getting better? How are they trying to rebuild this program? Who's going to be our guys going next year? Is Quentin Gooden a guy that can lead the team next year? Or is he going to be more of like a a role player that needs to just be a distributor? Can Najee Marshall develop into a star? Or is he like this notion by fans that guys are what they are as a sophomore or junior and their development is done is absurd, especially if you're in this town and you've watched the way UC and Xavier have developed players in recent recent history. They've had a lot of success developing guys. So to think that they're not going to continue to develop these guys is just silly a little bit. You're going to have years where you're rebuilding out of Xavier. Yeah, and I think it was, it was Stephen Barter, the analyst today, I think, on, yeah. on the broadcast. I thought he did a good I job. I he did a good job. And I think Which he, is rare for FS1. That, that's, what, uh, that's one of the things he talked about of, of, look, you know, this may be a down year, but th- this program has had a long, a long enough history of success that it doesn't stay down for long and probably won't stay down for long. Yeah. And I guess that's what you hang your hat it's on. It's not like it's the first time Xavier's had a couple right. of bumps in the road. Right. No, and it's not like if they didn't have a recruiting class coming in next year that looked promising, it was like, oh man, right. they lost Chris Mack and now they've lost their national stature and they can't recruit and this thing's going downhill, fine. But it looked very much like other rebuilding years at Xavier. This one may be a little more rocky just because of the way this team was made up. And, and Chris, not being in the A-10. Yeah, I mean, that certainly helps. I mean, the last few times you had a real, real rebuilding era, it was in the A-10, except for that Chris Mack where he had the Samaje, yeah. Travis Taylor, uh, Isaiah Fillmore, Andre Walker type team, um, that first or second year in the Big East, I believe. That was a really brutal year, too. Yeah. But you had a star in Samaje Kristen who could win you games by himself at times and at least lead your team. Right, right. All right, let's move on to, to UC. I don't want to. Can we? No. Um, uh, How about Kentucky? Do you say Kentucky game? I, we're going to get to them too here in just a second. Um, you had you had the, the the high of the bowl win, the high of, this, of this hang is, on the high of Luke Fickle the, not going to West Virginia. All of those things. The basketball team had come off a couple of really nice games, and you think things are going really well. And this was the Cincinnati sports gods correction. Yes, it was. It, I think that's exactly. I thought what, that as it was happening, I said, well. With yesterday, everybody was was in a very good mood yesterday. Going into yesterday. No, I mean saying this yesterday. Oh, okay, yes. Everybody was in a good mood on Friday. Yes. When I I dropped the news Thursday night, probably about about 10 o'clock. Neil Brown's going to West Virginia, and and that means Luke Fickle's staying, and all's right with the world. And, you know, and and I was watching about halfway through that second half when – so. It's eight at halftime. UC cuts it real quick to two. And you think, okay, all right, game. They get the lead. They're going on by, yeah. They get the lead. Yep. And then run by ECU. They get the lead again. Run by ECU. They get the lead a third time. Run by ECU to push it back to five or whatever. Where they were playing catch up at the end. Yeah, and literally it was like when they the third time, when they answered the third time, I was like, they're going to actually lose this game. And you know, you know what I think the worst thing that happened was the first segment of the game, nine to nothing, Cincinnati. ECU couldn't get a shot. It was it, it was absolutely dominating performance. And I think they walked back to the huddle at that media timeout and we're went, good. "We're good, we're good, we're good. We've done enough. These guys are terrible. We're good." And then somebody, one of the guys that's really not that good for ECU, throws in two threes. And then a guy that was 
literally he was shooting 5% from three on the year. He throws one in. And then the one guy they've got that's actually pretty good uh, from the perimeter starts to get hot, the Williams kid. And then it's like, this is actually happening. They were three for 18 from three, three for 19 from three, eight for 18 from the free throw line. And they turned it over 15 times. Yeah, that's the big number. And they gave up over a point per possession to a team that was averaging .94. That's it was one of the 30 worst offenses in the I country. Say, that's a team you see usually and should and does hold to 53 points, right? If not less. Yeah. Yeah. You said that would be a 60 to 50 game on our I believe, I, believe I did. Yeah. I did have East Carolina covering, as you recall. You did. You, you did. That right. um, I thought it was going to be a comfortable UC I win. I didn't take your advice. I, I didn't get that right. And I certainly didn't hit the under by any stretch of the imagination. So uh, I didn't do so good on, on that selection myself. It, I, All right, so so is this just uh, one game and, and, and live and learn from the moment you talk about where you get up early and you think you've buried a, a team that's inferior on the road in the league and, and you've you know you've played East Carolina before. Not all these guys, but a chunk of these guys, they play, they know what East Carolina is. They're one of the doormats of this league um, on a consistent basis, at least in their careers. Um, is that the lesson you take out of this, or is this a bigger issue that you go, oh, wow, maybe there are some problems? Ask me next week. Okay. Because and, and I, they have to go back on the road. They got to go back on the road. To Tulsa. And, and Tulsa, on well, the road, is right. not good. Neither is East Carolina. significantly better than ECU. Yes. yes. Um, and then UConn at home, right? And then UConn at home. I'm not, I'm not overly stressed about that one unless they lose to Tulsa. Right. And then you're looking at potential snowball situation. Um, but if they win at Tulsa, then I think it's a blip. I mean, they lost. The team that lost. The, the team after Kilpatrick, Jackson, and Rubles graduated. Similar situation. All their leadership was gone. They were reestablishing roles. That team lost to ECU. And then backed that up by coming home and losing to Tulane. Um, that was bad. And they still made the tournament. Right. This team, we'll see how they respond. Yeah, I, I guess I guess I'd ask you because you know they did go to Vegas and win. And I don't think Vegas is very that was a, good. They played bad there too. Yeah. Um and, and the Mississippi State game, I think Mississippi State is probably a better team. They're ranked, and I think they're Without a better question, team. Without question, Mississippi State's a better team. That's what I was going to ask you, though. Is is this a team that you start to worry about on the road? Yeah. Or is this one where you're you're like, okay, I need if they if they overcome it at Tulsa, then maybe this was just a blip, and I can look at the Mississippi State loss because they're just a better team and all that? Or do you look and go, man, you're going to be in a dogfight in every freaking road game in this conference if you don't fix it, fix what's going on? You're going to be in a dogfight in every freaking road game in this conference. All right. And I, I don't think – one, we should have known that coming in because yes they were ahead of schedule and ahead of expectations from where we thought they were going to be but the sample sizes in both road games told you they were just better than UNLV but they didn't play well no, right that's right and they played like crap at Mississippi State and Mississippi State played really well which is why the margin good. is and, what and it was yeah, and they're, they're good. good but they didn't play well in that game either especially the final 10 minutes or so they've averaged 15 turnovers a game on the road they've shot terribly on the road so this is a team in the sample size that we have that is going to be in a dogfight. oh and you got to remember they only play Tulane once which already happened they only play ECU once which already happened and I would they only play USF once but USF looks at least and they play them at home if I'm not mistaken yeah yeah the rest of those games, Houston, Memphis, Temple, Temple, Connecticut, Central Florida, Wichita, even though Wichita, Wichita was great, but Wichita took Temple to overtime and 
So every road game is going to be a toss-up the rest of the way. I think expectations also got skewed a little bit for this team when they hammered Xavier the way they did. They hammered UCLA the way they did. It's like those were great wins. Take nothing away from them. That's what this. That's an impressive win for this UC team. But it's also impressive for this UC team because this UC team was expected to be down a little bit. Xavier is clearly not good at all. UCLA was an absolute dumpster fire when they played them. So I think those results are skewed a little bit and kind of changes the expectations. We saw with this UC team, they've been really good because they haven't had any letdowns. They've played really hard all the time. So they've won the games they're supposed to win. This Eastern Carolina game, like you said, they kind of had that let up in the first half where they end up only scoring 27 points the rest of the way after they, that hot start. They scored nine points in the first four minutes and, up with and then half. 18 the next 16 <laughs> minutes. Yeah, and so like when they this team is not nearly good enough to have a stretch like that where they just quit playing. Last year's team would overcome it. They're plenty talented to do it. This year doesn't have that luxury. And I think Xavier certainly has that same problem in a much – much big, it's a much bigger issue for Xavier than it is UC, but you saw it with UC in this game. But, I think. but that should give Mick some pretty good ammo, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That defense was atrocious. Yeah. I, I will say, this is one of the first times in his postgame press conference where I agreed with him that like defense did let them down at the end of this one. Because Chad's right. UC made some runs to get back in this game and take the, you know, where they could win it and close it out. And their defense wasn't there for them to rely on like it usually is. Every time. It was every time they got the lead, it was a five, six, seven, nothing ECU spurt immediately after they got the lead. That's not how Mick Cronin teams work. Mick Cronin teams have plenty of times had those struggles, found themselves down six to eight points. But they get stopped. But they get stop. as soon as they get yeah. the lead, they get, keep getting they, stops. they get stops yep. and they finish the deal. I will say, there's... Should I, do you want me to save this for my, my final rant? There's a rule that has to change. Okay, no, save it for your final rant. Because, I, 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 yeah, I'd I, I like, yeah, save it. Save it for that. Okay. Okay. I don't know. The, That's the a tease is. in the business. It's yeah. called a tease. So you're going to have to hang around for the end of the podcast. Um, all right, so Tulsa on the road next, then UConn, UCF at home, and then and then at, at Wichita. Um yeah, I think I think that's fair to say. What, what what do they do at Tulsa? Do you you know do you take this tape and learn from it? Do you take this experience and learn from it? And do you go to a team that's better than the team that just beat you and beat them? If not, you're right. Then from that point on, you are in for a dogfight. And let's face it, some of these teams coming into your building are pretty good now. Well, and they're the defending champs. And now, especially with the loss to ECU, everybody in the conference is going to smell a little sure, blood in the water. No, no doubt, we can get them at our place. Yeah, right. Now, that's going to be the selling point if you're a coach. Yeah. Hey, East Carolina got them at their place. We can get them at our place. Yeah. No doubt about it. Let's move on to to Kentucky in this WTF edition. Kentucky came off of a couple of good wins over North Carolina and at Louisville and go to Alabama, which is probably a middle of the road maybe in the league, maybe even bottom. They've been playing a little better. Playing a little better. I don't think Alabama's bad. I think SEC's really good. So, yeah, they're probably kind of in the back half of the conference, but still a good team. Yeah. Um, what did you take away, away from, from, from the loss? I didn't see it because the UC game right. was on at the same time. But you follow um, it enough. But I follow it enough that, how? I mean, it's a, it's a young team on the road, first road testing conference, um, a, a similar situation to, to what Cincinnati had to deal with. Uh, they they look like they were starting to find their footing. Um, I think they've definitely been better since Quade Green left. No doubt. Yeah, well, it, no, there's no doubt. It's opened up some, yes, some minutes. rotations. It's, it's made the rotation minutes. better. It's yeah. made it tighter and better. Um, but I, I don't think there's – I mean, Alabama had a guy go off in the first half for, what, 20 points yeah. on six threes? Um, but that's been kind of this defensive's M.O., though, right? And, yeah. And that's the frustrating thing for this U.K. team. Like, they're literally in the bottom, like, 10 of the country in three-point defense. And at that point, it's 
it's on you to a certain extent. Yeah. You know, that's no longer teams just chucking them in because we, you know, there were a the couple games early where teams got outrageously hot and that yeah, skews their numbers. Yeah. But at this point, they're still giving up these threes, and it's like this team is good enough defensively to get out and put more pressure on. They're- Talented shooters. enough defensively. Yeah, long enough, athletic enough. <laughs> I don't think we've seen them be good enough yet to right, say anything. Right, but talented enough, That's yes. fair, but I also think that's one of those things that we typically see Cal tighten up as the year goes. Like, his teams get yeah. better defensively at, at the uh, the small things, and right now I think three-point shooting is one of those small things that is becoming a big thing in certain I was going to say, I don't know that it's a small thing. The rate that they're allowing people, the, the number of clean looks more than even the shooting percentage, a, a lot of those looks are pretty, and, and especially – you, you know how it happens. You're, you're a little off early in the game. Guy gets a couple open looks or a team gets a couple open looks, rhythm looks. And next thing you know, it doesn't matter how guarded they are because they're in rhythm. You know, they're throwing it in the ocean and and that carries on throughout the game. Sure. The intensity, I think, defensively for them early is is an issue. Yeah, I, 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 don't, I usually would look at a loss like this um, and and start to question where this team's going, but I but I guess I don't because I'm looking at the two two of the games. The one game they lose at Duke, Duke superior, better first game of the year. They blow your doors off. Seton Hall, you got dudes making shots that are just insane shots. I mean, they just Miles Powell insane is really good. Yeah, yeah, really uh, good. May, like Biggie's Player of the Year potentially. Yeah, good. no, no, All right. And so so that and then this game it is its first game on the road. Um, I don't think they played awful, no. and I still think they're talented, so I think they still have a lot of potential ahead of them. I think the disappointment is you felt like, all right, maybe corners getting turned with the rotation being tighter, beating Carolina, going to Louisville and really winning that game comfortably, and I think Louisville's pretty decent. Um, I think that's what that's what stings here is you come off all that and you yeah. go on the road and lose to Alabama. Yeah, and I, I do well, – Todd. You, you want to feel really down on UK after that loss. Right, you're saying, but I don't. Like, man, you had that momentum. But it really does feel a lot like this Alabama team took this game. Right. Like they came out, hit shots, got hot, and then they had confidence and were able to carry out a win at home. It's like Kentucky, I saw things I liked. Like Ashton Higgins had the type of game you've been yeah. waiting to see out of him. He distributed. He didn't turn the ball over. He he, dis, he was disruptive defensively, which is part of why they're giving up threes. They've got two guards in Kelton Johnson, Ashton Higgins, who take a lot of risk yeah. trying to get turnovers. Yeah. And then that leads to then the ro- three. Yeah, then the rotations are bad and bing, 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 three, bang. Right, and I think they'll learn that type of stuff. But I see a lot about this team. I mean, the balance was great. You had everyone that played significant minutes score in double figures, it felt like. No, they did. They did score double. There was a lot to like about this UK performance. Unfortunately, it comes on a day where Alabama got hot and you end up with a loss. I, I am not nearly as concerned about UK as I was a month ago. Yeah, no, and and then you got A and M Vandy at home, and then at Georgia, and and that'll be the next time you go on the road, and then you do have a big road test after that because you got to go play Auburn at Auburn, and we'll see what you're made of then. That that will not be that that'll be a fun game to watch. It will. It will be because Auburn's style is yeah fun to watch just in general, but also. What will the, how will this UK team respond to that style? Because I could see them scoring 95 points that way, or, or I could see them yeah. turn the ball over too much and their guards being a little shell-shocked by that atmosphere. So that's going to be a really fun game to watch. Yeah, but they got, they got to get they got to get a victory back under the under the belt first after the loss to, to Alabama. All right, Rick, I ruined it for you, and I'm sorry. I do apologize. I asked you on a podcast in midweek. If you it, should have said no. There's no way. If, yeah, if, if NKU could run the table, and you said, according to Ken Palm, that they were only an underdog in one game, and that was the right State game at Wright State. And shame on me, because when Oakland came here, again, I think some of that is is you know Xavier not being great, but I thought Oakland had moments, of, especially in that first half of the Oakland-Xavier game, where they were really good, or at least one guy was, well, was got a really good. Dudes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so maybe I overlooked that, but I, I I jinxed it. I feel like I threw the softball to you, the NKU guy, and I helped jinx it along with you. You did. I really jinxed it. 
But you you also brought up the point of, do you want them to go undefeated? You want that loss. Well, here's the spin zone now. I'm glad they lost that game. I wanted them to have the wake-up call. Now it's now it's out of the picture. Now they can just play carefree the rest 15, of the way. 17-1 no rest of their... Right. No no stress the rest of the way. You can't beat them. Yeah, but man, then, then the stress of being having whatever that winning streak would be, 14 in a row going into the conference tournament in a one-bid league. Skinny, shut up about future NKU propositions. Let's just talk about what's actually happening, all right? All right, so what happened in that game other than, than maybe you tip your cap to Oakland? Yeah, I mean, Xavier Hill-Mays is really good. good. We saw him towards Xavier. I know it. Um, we all, Where's what do you have the grad transfer next year? <laughs> I don't know. He's, he's a low. What do you have in the first half of Xavier? Wasn't it 20-something? Yeah, I think he had 19 or 21 something in the first like half guy. of the Xavier yeah, game. Yeah. Um, and he he gave NKU that work, too. I think he, oh, what he had 36 or something. A, yeah, yeah, I mean, and then they've got that little shooter as a freshman, um, Braden something or other. He is... At times, he looks. Kid. Yeah, he looks overmatched. About son of, son, son of a coach. <laughs> that little sh- that little that little Braden guy. Yeah, yeah. Son of a coach, kid. scrappy. <laughs> he looks overmatched about five to ten times a game, but then he dots you for like five or six threes, and you're like, oh, that's that's why he's out there. That I remember now. He's he's tough, but yeah, I mean, it was it was a game where it's like the other team gets hot. You you were playing well. The other team gets hot. I didn't. Again, we were saying this a lot. Now uh, we said about UK too. It's I didn't feel like NKU played that poorly in the second half. I felt like they got scored on, and then they were kind of in a fight where it was like, you shouldn't be in a situation where an offensive rebound comes down, Drew McDonald clearly has it, and then one of his teammates jumps on his back and knocks him out of bounds. Like That's one of those things that happen in a basketball game where it's like, it stinks. It's an embarrassing way to kind of lose a game at the end, but it shouldn't have mattered because you shouldn't be in that situation where one unfortunate play goes against you and you lose like when there's a hook and hold and the guy that got hooked and held it's called for the foul foreshadowing don't don't let don't let it come down to that don't let it come down to that that's all i'm gonna say don't let it come down no, to i that. agree with that i know but but I, I know where you're gonna go but the response by nku yeah to go beat detroit that's on the, the couple game and beat him what 94 75 or against, whatever it was against yeah. the hottest player in the conference um and antoine davis mike davis's son who had just put up 48 against Wright state the other night and you know this is a team that beat Wright state by 21 points. Right. Um, NKU turns around, beats them at their place by 22. That's a heck of a response. And that's why. So I don't, you're saying NKU is 43 points better than Wright State? Ipso facto, I'd say so, yeah. Um, which are going to find out coming up. Which all amounts to me being an absolute mess on Friday afternoon before that game tips off. You've yeah. taken off, you've cleared your schedule. Yes. No, no Thursday hol- night overnight work, no Friday work. It's like, a holiday at this point. Uh, the Wright State holiday. Our, yeah. bu- our buddy Mo Egger is going to join us it's, for that it's one. Called, it's called Raider Day. Uh, you Bob, got, Bobby, is Riggs coming? Yeah, Bobby Regan from uh, Barstool nice. Sports is going to join us for that one. Nice. It's going to be uh, either a really good night or a really bad one. That's for sure. Um, I, I will root for you that's a really good one because of your just out-and-out hatred for Wright State. Yeah, I appreciate that. And that's the next game on the I schedule. will say, has... Has this, you know, has the shootout lost its luster? Has this game lost its luster by the fact that Wright State has Stinks. a losing record and Stinks. can't win a game? Stinks. Yeah. Which, by the way, all of you called me a homer at the beginning of the year when I said it was silly that the coaches picked Wright State to win the conference. I think I'm vindicated by that at this point. He's vindicated. Vindicated. Who's that this? was a joke to pick them as the lead of the conference after what they lost last year. Well, NKU is clearly the best team in the conference. You think? Who, who's, who's, is, is Oakland number two? I think... They got the best... Player probably it's 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 crazy because UIC has two of the five best players in the right. conference probably with their guards. Right. Um, you've got Oakland with Xavier Hill Mays. Detroit has Antoine Davis, who's absurdly good as a freshman and, and one of the best players in the conference. Each of these teams kind of has like a star guy that can carry them on a given night. So I think that second through fifth group is going. Green to be, Bay's probably in that group too, right? 
probably. Probably. I don't think they're as talented no, individually, but, they, but as right. a team, I think they're better than some of those other ones. It's going to be a really bunched up group from about two to five. I think Wright State will still be in that mix eventually. Uh, they had a tough non-conference schedule that kind of yeah. led them to the overall yeah. record they're at right now. But they're struggling to win in conference now, too. So clearly, they're not exactly uh, on the same level as NKU. Yeah, they're two and two in the in the league, eight, nine o- overall because of that tough non-league. Yeah, so. I just, uh, w- the way NKU's playing, though, they... They have games where Tyler Sharp, who obviously one of their leaders, doesn't do anything, and it doesn't matter. They have games where Drew McDonald disappears for an entire half. It's, they're okay. I mean, Jalen Tate, they've gone games without him even playing while he was right. injured. They've been okay. The production they're getting from other guys, Zanai Robinson, Trayvon Faulkner, a freshman who's really stepped up. He's guarding the other team's best player usually, and now he's offering scoring pop too. So they've they've just they've come a long way and continue to get better i don't think they're even close to hitting their peak yet and that's the exciting thing yeah i was just saying if at the end of the day you look up and the worst thing that happened to you was a two-point road loss to oakland early in the conference schedule when you know oakland's got a couple of dudes that's not bad no you can live with that i think and and that's the exciting thing is it's not like they were playing above their heads earlier in the year when they kind of got it going they're still getting better, and we're seeing that. You saw it at Oakland. They slip up a little bit. When they respond back and play really well the next game and, and show you some even new wrinkles that you haven't seen yet. So I, I think that's the most exciting part about this team. Will you be sober by tip time of that Wright State game? No comment. <laughs> <laughs> Erase the comment Yeah, and just go with the first yeah. No. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I have to do pregame radio, so I think I'll be. Yeah, all right. you gotta be sober enough for yeah, that. Well, you, be all right. can you tape it? Yeah, it's pre-recorded. Like like noonish. <laughs> Not that pre-recorded. <laughs> just just double checking. Just double checking. You, you've pulled you've pulled pregame radio at NKU. Yeah, me yeah. and Jim Kelch do a little pregame radio like action. He doesn't do anything to cover NKU. He's just their biggest fan. You're going to start at the North Can you find me voice. someone else in, in this Fair. area that covers NKU? It's, I think you should start up NorseUp.com. I mean, if anyone, in the twenty four seven sports network, if anyone wants to subscribe, I'm listening. There you go. Yeah, we got to well, get like a guarantee of two hundred and fifty subscribers before I'll start it. <laughs> Norseup.com. That signals out right now. All right, tweet it. Do you want to tweet at you? Yeah, tweet at me. If you can get two hundred and fifty people to tweet at me, we'll sign up for NorseReport.com. I'll Norseup. Norseup. I'm, I'm going with you. Norseup.com. Because yeah. the hashtag's always already built in too, man. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's perfect. Well, it's perfect. I didn't know. You know, if I'm infringing on their hashtag, I didn't want to do it. They that. might have that copyrighted. I I doubt it. I don't know. I, I was going to say I'm going to doubt that too. <laughs> I'm putting that in the doubtful category as well. All right. And I, here's, what I, here's what I would think. I would think they'd actually like him to call it Norseup.com. I think they would be very happy for somebody to cover them like Norseup.com might cover them. All right. Yes. Well, Brady Labor, hit me up. There you go. Brady Labor, he'll be the first guy. Yeah. He, he can do most of the writing. I'll podcast right. with him or something. There you go. He'd he, he, he be fun with that. Yeah, he'll be, be a really third good. revenue stream for you. Look at you, man. That's what I'm looking for. Entrepreneur, starting things up. I yeah. like it. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with you, Rick Boring. Do you have a final take before I get to my man's final take? Because he's itching. I, I just can't wait for Friday. I, we're either going to be, as a, as a wise man once told me before every Bengals game that's ever been played, we're either going to be really happy or we're going to be really sad. It's a wise man that says that. Yeah. And more times than not, you're probably really sad. But yeah. I don't think you'll be sad. Shout out to Friday. Don Suko. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, well done. Well done. All right, Chad. Okay. The floor is yours. So I am a proponent of the new hook and hold rules. I hate where it. If you hold a guy's arm and drag him to the ground, that should be. But to me, that is very easy to see. I know they missed like two of them that resulted in injuries, and that's unfortunate and sucks. But, like, that is a foul that's usually pretty easy to see and something that's easy to call without it making some ridiculous... You don't say. Exactly. You don't have to make it, like, this point of emphasis where now you're trying to call every time guys lock arms. Well, now we've twice this season 
on Nizier Brooks. Had Nizier Brooks called for a foul. They go to the monitor. Can we talk about his missed dunk in the first couple minutes first? If you want. That was unbelievable. <laughs> they... The too- front of the rim and him, it's, it's a heated battle. I think it was the side. It, well, I've never I mean, seen that before. Him and the rim <laughs> are in a heated battle. The side of the rim comes from the weak side. It's the best way to block a shot. Yeah. The side of the rim knows how to block it. Yeah, Reliable. Yeah. That's on me, though. Hook and hold. Sorry, always 10-foot wingspan? Always. Twice now, and this one in the final three minutes of the game, Nizier Brooks has been called for a foul. They go to the monitor. It is determined a flagrant one hook and hold against the opponent. Why does the foul stay on Nizier Brooks? That's what you ha- they have to fix that if that's going to be a rule. If you're I able to go fair. to the monitor yeah. and say, "Oh, there's a hook and a, a hook and a hold," and he drug him to the ground, we called the foul on him. There is no way in hell the foul should stay on him. That's ridiculous. No, I think that's fair. That's a fair complaint. It's a fair rant. No, that makes a lot of sense to me. Usually, your rants aren't fair, and they're not logical. That's a fair logical. And this is rant. twice. This is twice. And this time at a critical juncture in the game, you see, I think was down by four at the time, five at the time, they would have gotten two free throws of the ball. And instead, two free throws for them, two, two free, free throws, throws for Cincinnati yes. and the ball. It's a wash. That That's ridiculous. No, it should not be a wash. I, I will I will grant you that. Absolutely should not be. Well, Any, anytime anything flagrant is called, it should not be a, a wash. It's a flagrant. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And again, I would just eliminate the whole making it a point of emphasis and going to the monitor for these plays anyways. To me, if it's like, if a guy didn't clearly get wrestled down and dragged down from an arm, which you could see, then like maybe you missed a call. That's fine. That happens. That's and, part and, of the game. I, like, think, I think honestly, that's where we're at in sports. I adding mean, these stoppages for, for this and the ones that they're, they are calling a flagrant where it's like, there's almost nothing there. Guys got slightly tangled. Is just ridiculous to me. It, it makes it, no sense. And it's a physical game too. I mean, it, it, it's a physical game. Injuries happen. Game. It yes. sucks. It sucks that it happened to those two guys and it didn't get caught and whatever else. I get they want to get like get it out of the game, eradicate it. Injuries are still going to happen and guys are still going to lock arms. And and, and I will say, I understand not reviewing foul calls. Because yes. they're subjective. Right. I understand that. But in that situation, yes. you've made it a you've, reviewable play. Yes. You've made it a reviewable play, so and you have determined the guy that you called the foul on was the victim of a flagrant one. He should not keep a foul. And the other team should not get free throws. Because, yeah, there should not be a reward for that. There, there should not be a reward for that. Not None whatsoever. I, I, happened, I fully agree with that. If it, if it only happened once, freak thing wouldn't probably I didn't say anything about it the first time it happened freak thing never gonna see that again well now you've seen it again. same guy it happened to him twice yeah, I'm with you that, yeah that's good rant I agree with that one all right anything else I'm boys? out good rant that's it he dropped dropped the mic Chad Reynolds gone Chad we'll see you next week man there he goes out the door after that Rick appreciate you being here too okay no, I, I do what I do all right for Rick Broing and Chad Reynolds who's now somewhere down the hall God knows where Um, We'll be back next week with another edition of the Skinny Podcast, the college basketball edition presented by Joseph Infinity of Cincinnati.